Yeah, so we sensed God asking us to step into nursing home ministry. We wanted to do that. Uh, the ministry that I do is basically almost like a, uh, a door-to-door evangelist, only inside a nursing home. You know, the common denominator with these nursing home residents is that nobody wants to be there. Nobody wants to be in a nursing home. But, but by and large, people are hungry to see you and they want to see you. So resistance is not going to be part of the problem. It's probably going to be a matter of you having the time to take to see them. Welcome to the Small Town Summit Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Whittinghill. I'm excited to kick off Season 5 with you today, and we have a treat for our first episode of the season. I find great joy in it being part of our mission at SDS to feature what Christ is doing for His namesake in out-of-the-way places that we wouldn't otherwise know about. Our guest for today is John Hoover. John serves as a volunteer chaplain in nursing homes in southern New Hampshire. He holds church services there, but his heartbeat is getting to share the gospel with elderly residents, seeing them come to Christ and discipling them in God's truth. This conversation with John was such a great encouragement and challenge to me on multiple levels, and I trust it'll be the same for you. So thanks for listening to this conversation with John Hoover. John, thank you so much for taking time to join me on the podcast. How are you today, brother? Hey, I'm doing great, Ben. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm looking forward to diving in and talking about your ministry uh, in New Hampshire. But before we do that, I'd love for you to introduce yourself, um, share as much of your story as you'd like from testimony or calling and uh, your background before you got into nursing home chaplaincy. Yeah, thank you, Ben. So um, my wife, Kathy, and I moved to New Hampshire back in 2009. And at the time, uh, our girls, we have three girls, they were nine, seven, and two, and now they're 23, 21, and 16, so time has gone by. Wow. Where'd you guys move from? Yeah, we moved from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Okay. And uh, yeah, our oldest daughter now, she lives in Virginia, and she's a... um, physical therapy assistant and our middle girl studying nursing in New Hampshire and our youngest girl is still here with us. She's a junior in high school. Uh, as far as coming to know the Lord, I came to know Christ uh, when I was 13 at our home church back in Pennsylvania. And it was during a uh, kind of a viewing of one of those apocalyptic type movies that they used to show back in the 80s that kind of were cir- circulating around, you know, the <laughs> the 747 going down and all that kind of stuff. Um but I remember uh, on a serious note watching that film and God just touched my heart and I knew that if that were to happen to me, um, I would not be ready to meet him. And I mm. remember kneeling down at the back of that church, Calvary Monument Bible Church, ironically in a place called Paradise, Pennsylvania, on the back pew there and with tears, just inviting Jesus into my life as my Lord and my Savior. And uh, that's what he is. And I love him so much and I want to serve him. Um, as far as calling... Um, during my growing up years in Pennsylvania, my grandmother lived with us and was very instrumental in helping me to have a right understanding about God. And she helped me read and understand God's word and memorize scripture. She encouraged me. Uh, but when she was in her later years, she fell and broke her, broke her arm and uh, we had to move her to a nursing home. And it was during kind of those visits to see her in the nursing home that as even as a young adult, I, I really began to have a burden to sense that there was a need for something 
you know, better than just kind of hanging around and, you know, waiting for Wheel of Fortune to start at 4.30 or something like that. Uh, so that was kind of the beginning of the call. And then fast forward just a bit, uh, before serving Christ full-time as a missionary in nursing homes, I worked as a, a banker, of all things. And um, my kind of joke is I got the a lot of whole got the whole lot of money, but didn't get to keep too much of it. But you know, each uh, each day as I left for work, I remember um, down the street a retired neighbor that was always really meticulous about his lawn care, and I, I thought to myself, you know, you know, I never want that to be me. I never want to, you know, worry about my lawn and my cantaloupe patch and you know my four hundred one k. But you know, all those things are good. I have nothing against good lawn care or you know good stock and all that kind of stuff, but. The Lord was just using my neighbor to remind me that there was something more, and and, and that more was just a, a full surrender to Him, a full surrender to Jesus, and knowing that whatever, however, you know, I was His. And as Kathy and I began, my wife and I began to just kind of press into that and surrender more fully. Just God began to open doors of ministry at our home church, and as we began to explore where and how God would have us, we began to stepping out for Him. One of our pastors encouraged us to think, hey, about maybe full-time ministry, what that might look like. And we sensed God asking us to step into nursing home ministry. We wanted to do that uh, as part of God's calling over our lives. We felt that, and we wanted to go to a part of the country that was underserved and underchurched, and and God led us to New England as one of those key spots. So that's kind of the short version on that. This is why I love hearing people's testimonies so much, because there's encouragement laden in there of the power of God to save the effectiveness of ministry as a church, the impact of a loving grandmother, the willingness to get up and move for the call of God, even with young children, and all of it showcasing Jesus's worth. And one of the things that I love, even before going into detail, just about what you do, it's just the the purity of ministry that exalts Jesus and is not for some kind of vain ambition, right? Nobody gets into nursing home chaplaincy because you're looking to build a huge platform. And um, I remember when I first went to a small town summit event and Stephen was talking about uh, just the dignity of gospel ministry everywhere and uniquely in small places and he talks about that gospel ministry is a lot of times less strategic than we think. Um, there's a lot of ministry out there that wants to be very strategic in reaching the most people possible so they can have the most growth possible so that you can have the biggest platform and influence possible. And I love that the Lord led you to love a whole uh, group of people that a lot of times feel like they've they've kind of retired out of life and they've been forgotten about that their own families have forgotten about them and they just feel kind of sidelined. And uh, here you are intentionally called to go meet them where they are and to minister to them. Tell us a little bit about how it was like getting started into that. How did you get going with nursing home chaplaincy and what is Jesus doing in nursing homes in New Hampshire that listeners would not have heard of? apart from talking to you. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when we arrived in New England in 2009, um, that was kind of an amazing story in itself. And just a shout out to God on how he worked. I mean, 
even the arrival was just a miracle kind of you know one day we were in Pennsylvania not knowing where we were going to live and packing the truck and the next week we were the next week we were we were here just through some miraculous things that he did and and that was just awesome but you know when we got here to New Hampshire um we knew we wanted to be in nursing homes and I was green I did, I had come from a a banking background I was a banker I just began calling doing what I what I thought I should do as as the spirit led me just began calling nursing homes and saying hey you know I I'd like to volunteer as a minister, a, a chaplain in nursing homes to to talk about God and and the Bible and provide spiritual care for the residents. And the really cool thing right up front, Ben, is a lot of them said yes and a lot of them said no. But God did a neat work in one in particular because I remember calling this woman and she was not at all interested in what I had to say. And I remember just talking with her and she chided with chided with me and said, "Oh, that so that's your gig, you know, that's your angle kind of thing, just kind of snarky." But I prayed for two years that God would open the doors to that nursing home, and he did it. And, you know, we're having a really, really cool ministry there now in that nursing home. So you were originally shut down, and then you just you kept praying for God to open doors, and he eventually got you in. He did. He did. And now, you know, that woman and I are fairly good friends, and, you know, I have a wide-open uh, door in that nursing home just to share Jesus. And, you know, as far as what God's doing here— I mean, God is allowing, you know, desperate people to hear about himself. He, he's setting prisoners free. You know, many of these residents feel like they're prisoners held captive against their will. But, you know, the common denominator in, with these nursing home residents is that nobody wants to be there. Nobody wants to be in a nursing home. And I've met people in nursing homes like, you know, our age, you know, 40s, 30s, 50s, you know, all that. Um, you know, these people are captives wait, waiting to be set free by the gospel. And, you know, as I mentioned before, um, you know, my background in, in banking, really, I can see how the Lord kind of laid the building blocks for me to do what I do now. And even my major in, in college was something totally unrelated, hotel and restaurant management. But through those very relational work environments and fields, God prepared me to sit down and listen to nursing home residents and just to, um, enjoy sharing Jesus with them in a very kind of relational way. So, you know, when we moved here, we called these nursing homes and, you know, the kind of the point, the key person in nursing homes is the activities director. They are typically the, the key people that you want to talk to to facilitate you getting into a nursing home kind of as a, as a, as a volunteer. Uh, and the minister that I do is basically almost like a, uh, a door-to-door evangelist only inside a nursing home. Hmm. Um, you know, I basically knock on the door of the nursing home resident, which is which is their room, their home. Um, I go in and sit down, and just like many of our listeners would strike up a conversation with somebody at the checkout line at Market Basket, you know, I just talk about whatever comes to mind. I talk about pictures on the wall, a wedding picture, and I say, you know, something like, oh, I see you got married. You know, where'd you get married? What church? And they'll say, you know, the first parish church of... Hampstead, something like that. And I'll use that as a springboard for the gospel. I'll say, oh, tell me about that. And, 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 you know, by the way, are you a woman of faith? And, you know, what do you believe about Jesus? And who is he? And, you know, if you were to die right now, where would you go? And those are springboards for the gospel. So, um, you know, I find it very, very easy from my vantage point just to enter into these conversations that are just 
you know, part of who we are as followers of Jesus, because what should pour out of us, Ben, should be just the joy of our relationship with Him. And those, mm-hmm. those conversations are never hard to begin because of how much love we have for our Savior and Jesus and just an outpouring of who He is to us and what He means to us, like our best friend. Like, I think many times I was thinking about this conversations today and thinking about, hey, when I began dating my wife way, way back when, you know, conversations, I was eager. I was, it, it was, it was awesome. It was fulfilling. It was life-giving because, you know, my interest and love for her was deep. And I'm just, I guess I'll enca- uh, challenge our listeners, you know, is, is your love for Jesus deep and rich and strong and vibrant that that just pours out of you, whether it's nursing home ministry or whatever you're doing, but so good i mean that it is to be the overflow of life with him where nobody has a hard time talking about what they're passionate about but unlike with other things the enemy does there's spiritual warfare involved and he tries to make people afraid and i love these stories that you're sharing of maybe obstacles that somebody's putting up a a protective front and you're praying and seeing the Lord bring that down and uh, just continuing to be faithful to share. And I think another thing that you shared that was so insightful, John, is that everybody, as they share Jesus, you, you kind of learn based on what your ministry is, what these recurring conversations are like, or what you found to be, oh, this is kind of a good entry point for being able to share Christ and when we moved up here to plant a church in Vermont, uh, mine usually started with, so how long have you lived in the area? And usually people would volley the question back. And then they're wondering, why did a guy move up from Georgia <laughs> to move to Vermont? And then I would get to tell them about starting a church. Yeah, And yeah. then they would ask me why. And it was this recurring conversation that I had with so many different people. And I just... I found kind of an entry point that worked that was going, depending on how the Lord moved, lead me to an opportunity to share Christ with people. Um, so I think that's good regardless of people's vocation or ministry or what they do to kind of f- figure out, all right, how, what's an effective way for me to, to fish a little bit so that I have opportunity to share Christ uh, in my daily experience? So man, I, I love your example in this. And I'm curious how the response is when you go door to door in these nursing homes. Do you have people that are real resistant or are people more lonely and just excited to talk to somebody? And so they're more inviting than maybe they otherwise would be just door to door in a neighborhood. What's been your experience there? Yeah. I mean, my experience, Ben, has been people are wide open. I mean, especially since COVID, I mean, we're sick of talking about it, but the good things that COVID did was really make people thirsty for something. And that something is Jesus. And I remember, I just, I mean, just some heartbreaking things of seeing residents, you know, they were already kind of in a bad spot as it was in these nursing homes and kind of their prison. And some people refer to that as their, you know, even their hell. I've heard that numerous times over the years. This is my hell. This is my purgatory. This is my cross the bear kind of thing. And I've seen residents, you know, just, um, you know, weeping over the lack of you know, people visiting them. And, you know, during COVID, I would see, you know, their loved ones outside the glass and the other side of the window and them inside and kind of, you know, almost like being in prison. You know, you kind of have that prison phone we see on the movies kind of deal. 
Um, so there's brokenness there. And, you know, that's, that's the place of the gospel. And, um, it's difficult to put in the words. I mean, just people that, I guess desperation is a good way to put it. I mean, they want to be with you. Let me put it this way. I guess we have so much stuff going in our lives. And I know, I know you like me, Ben, you're busy, you're a dad, you're, you're a pastor, you're a leader. Um, you know, you love on people, you counsel, you're, do, you're doing a lot of good work. And sometimes we can feel like 27 hours out of 24. We have so much going. But these people, they have nothing but time. You know, they don't, they don't really have an occasion to have an appointment other than the occasional doctor appointment outside the nursing where they even can get out of the place, you know, so they're there. And when we kind of darken their door, uh, they are thirsty for interaction. I mean, any interaction. And that is, that is the most special place to bring Jesus because he's so familiar with that. I mean, anytime we read the scriptures, the gospel, you know, a man of sorrows, you know, uh, friendless, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't a popular guy with a lot of people back then. But we bring the gospel to these people and we tell them about, hey, here's a guy that knows what you're going through, how you feel. And they are hungry for that. They are hungry for that hope. And that's where we bring Jesus right to them. And he reveals himself to them in very, very special and unique ways. And, um, so in, in just a just a word, they are hungry, they are thirsty, and Jesus is their answer. I've had very, very few people over the years that have been hostile up to me. I've been doing this 14 years, and I can honestly say I can count on the, my hands probably the number of people that have been very resistant and told me to you know get lost. I can remember there was a there was a crusty old IRS agent that I visited with at one of the nursing homes and. He would let me know in no uncertain terms. He wasn't interested in, in talking with me. Uh, but I'll never forget, Ben, that the one day I went to visit him, um, you know, I tried to see him. He was on his deathbed. I did not get to see him the day he died. But that same morning, uh, if my memory serves me right, I can remember either having a very, very significant gospel conversation where somebody was moved very close to receiving Christ or they did accept Christ. I can't remember because it because some time ago. But God brought fruit from that. And, you know, not all people are going to be interested, as we know, in our traveling around as, uh, you know, speakers of the gospel. But, but, but in the nursing homes, by and large, people are hungry to see you and they want to see you. So resistance is not going to be part of the problem. It's probably going to be a matter of you having the time to take to see them. Hmm. John, I'm curious, do you have a feel over those 14 years of maybe even if it's not an exact number of, but the number of people that you've either gotten to witness to or lead to Christ in the nursing home context. Yeah. Yeah. As far as conversations, you know, I do track that. I would say as far as gospel centered conversations, these are repetitive, you know, with, with same people over the year, but I would say probably a thousand to 1500 Christ centered conversations a year. And I'd say on average, maybe, I'd say maybe about half a dozen people that I know about come to know Christ during the course of the year. Now, you say that might be a low number, but I mean, if that was your daughter, if that was your mom, I mean, it's so worth it. Or if you're a pastor in New England (laughs) and you hear that and you think, now this is, this is so serious. I mean, and this is part of what we want to highlight. Yeah. Every single soul yeah 
is so precious to him. And, you know, that Galatians 2.20, the personal nature of he loved me and gave himself up for me. And by the grace of God, you know, Paul talks about enduring everything for the sake of the elect. And here are people that God has loved and set his affection on from before the foundation of the world. And you go and get them. And um, one thing that's so vividly apparent in the ministry that you do is if you don't go to them, then who's, how will they hear without the messenger? And so here you have like very vividly, I think the, just this picture of setting up a mission on the brink of hell and just rescuing people out of it. And to me, those numbers are staggering of seeing people who are in heaven with the Lord Jesus right now in fullness of joy in his presence, because, um, you went to them in, in a place where otherwise they were being forgotten about besides the family that loved them. And, uh, that's just such a beautiful report to hear brother. Yeah. Praise God for that. And Ben, it's been, the ministry has been just so thriving lately. And just, I give all praise to Christ and, um, you know, we actually had two people in the last couple of months that came to know the Lord. One was 88 years old and one was 72. And, um, you know, the 88-year-old, which was the most recent to come to Christ just a couple of weeks ago, I do a nursing home church service at one of the homes I visit uh, on the second Tuesday of the month. And we did the service. And afterwards, there were a group of women that were kind of hanging out there, I think three of them. Uh, the two women broke off and I was one-on-one with one of the women. And um, we just began to to talk. You know, her grandson died of cancer, age 24. Um, You know, her daughter was grieving over this and having a hard time. We talked through some of that. This woman's husband died of cancer. Um, And we just just broke open the gospel, just a continuation of that church service. And and over, over a period of minutes, she was convicted of her sin. She invited Jesus over into her life as her Savior. And then uh, the next week, I was able to get her a Bible and just began discipling her. And that's, you know, when somebody comes to Christ, you know, I've tried a variety of methods over the years. And with the elderly, uh, the attention span is a little on the shorter side. Uh, And sometimes, um, you know, simpler is better. So basically what I do, I'll get them a Bible and we'll just begin to break open God's Word, just begin reading the Gospel of John together. And I have one woman in particular that, um, believe it or not, she's still alive after 14 years. When I began visiting her, she was 50 years old, and now she's um, 64, I think. And we have read many, many books of the Bible together. We're currently reading the book of Hebrews together, but she's a believer in Christ, came to Christ through, this, through the ministry that God allow us to do and share with her. And, you know, she prays for me. <laughs> we go in and... You know, she prays for me. She has MS. And, you know, every time I see her in the hallway, John, let's read the Bible, read the Bible. So we go and we read God's word and break it open. But, you know, it's awesome. It's life-giving, Ben. It, it's it's mm-hmm. tremendous. I, I, I love it. I really, really do love it. I, I, I just feel that this is where God's called me and just um, it's a very needed and necessary ministry. So by way of this podcast, I'm hoping this will maybe generate some interest in some of the men and women listening to this that, hey, it's a uh, it's not a hard thing to do. It's not a hard thing to talk and interact with these residents because they really want to see you. They're thirsty for it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I want to get to um, even recommendations that you would give to people listening that that feel God leading them um, even to, to getting into nursing home ministry where they live and minister. But um, I think I told you last time you and I got to talk at the Massachusetts summit and I told you that my grandfather, I think it was 87 uh, when he came to Christ. And one of the things that's always so moving when I hear about a testimony like his or this lady's from a couple of weeks ago, 88 years of, of not seeking God, of yeah. living life for themselves, yeah. of denying God's power and invisible attributes that are clearly visible through all that he's made. And they've been with, without excuse their whole life, hating God, living for themselves. And in breaks the mercy and the grace and the kindness of God in um, kind of the, one of some of their last hours. And it is just such a beautiful tribute to the grace and the kindness of God, um, his perfect patience and his mercy that he would save us and that he would save elderly people who had in all likelihood many opportunities to respond yeah. to his revelation and had not to that point. And uh, so I think that's just an added um, way that your ministry is putting the beauty of God and his gospel on display is the people that are responding um, to the gospel in many cases have lived long lives yeah. of not responding to him and and in he sends a messenger so that he can give them pardon in his life and uh, it's it's so encouraging to hear of so I want to get to brother the um, how you would encourage churches or uh, people listening in, uh, not even pastors that would consider ministering to those in nursing homes. Um, but before we get there, can you tell us some, like some of the unique joys and or challenges that you've had, uh, in this ministry specifically? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the greatest joy, as you said, Ben, is when somebody that is 80, 90, you know, coming to know Christ. I mean, this woman I just mentioned a couple weeks ago, she was 88, the woman that came to Christ back in September, actually on my wife's birthday. It was a wonderful birthday present. She was 70, I think 71 or 72. But I often think when somebody like your grandpa and people that are much, much uh, more senior than us come to know Jesus as their Savior, I often think of the story of, this, uh, of the um, Jesus and the thief on the cross and just, mm. wow, Jesus just makes a way. He makes a way. Mm. And, you know, that, that is the greatest joy. I mean, the other joys uh, on a lesser scale would just being able to be hearing some of the amazing stories that I've heard, you know, about, you know, World War II battles or, you know, what people thought about when they got their first telephone, you know, what was it like the time you first rode in the automobile and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it just impresses upon me how, how these folks could accomplish so much with so little. And nowadays it seems like we have just the opposite. We are accomplishing sometimes so little with so much. Yeah, and just, yeah. yeah, so just the joy of getting to be around this, all this wisdom and all this just beauty of these people, these these sages that just kind of pour life into me uh, many times. And of course, on the flip side of that, the challenge uh, would be, you know, stories of 
I guess, death and abuse that, you know, I've heard a lot of, heard a lot of just amazing, amazingly difficult stories, just abuse. I mean, you name it, uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse, murder, um, you know, all, all sorts, shapes and sizes. I mean, another challenge, of course, is that residents don't stick around very long because, you know, people die. Um, mm-hmm. They relocate. They, you know, on occasion they'll be, you know, furloughed to another facility at closer to where they live and all that kind of stuff relocated. So that's those are some challenges. But I do develop friendships and a real love for these folks. And I can think of a guy I know now where he is very lucid. Um, unfortunately, I think he has uh, MS. And if you can imagine... Uh, Ben, just kind of sitting in your chair where you are now, but just kind of doubling over so your chin is on your knees. I mean, that's kind of the way he lives his life because he is, you know, this debilitating disease, but he's very, very with it. And we have just a really, really sweet relationship. And every time I see him, um, you know, I have a feeling of love for him and he for me. And, you know, when we park company, uh, we look each other in in the eye and he'll tell me, you know, I love you. And that just makes everything I do for Jesus Christ so, so worth it because he is being glorified and honored and there's a love there. Uh, this man is a believer and a follower of Christ and just there's, a, there's an, just an explosion of his power in that moment that I can't describe, just of love and beauty and worth and just awesomeness that I really can't put in the words, but it's just so, so worth it. Now, as, as far as how people get involved, it's just, I mean, as you might imagine, there, I'm sure in your body of believers, uh, Ben, that you lead and pastor and many other men and women that are part of local bodies, wherever you're at, I'm sure there's people that have nursing home connections in the body, whether your grandpa or grandma's in the nursing home, whether you have a parent in the nursing home, whether there's shut-ins, elderly folks, that are in facilities, care facilities. I mean, start there. I mean, visit one of the shut-ins from church and, you know, you, you don't have to make it your, your life ambition or mission. Just start, begin. I remember um, I had an English teacher back in high school and often when he gave a writing assignment, he would say, you know, the terror of the blank page, um, meaning that, you know, it, it was hard to know where to start the story. So my advice would be just to begin, you know, I would suspect, again, you, you already, many of you listening have many connections to uh, elderly folks in nursing facilities or maybe even assisted living facilities, you know, begin by visiting maybe one of the shut-ins. And as you're going to visit that particular person that you have in mind you want to visit, don't overlook those folks that might be sitting watching, you know, uh, The Price is Right in the day room or putting a puzzle together in the hallway, you know, engage them because those people need Christ. Now, those are the those are the real people that you're going for because, I mean, the shut-in person who's maybe attended your church for, you know, 50 years, that's great. They need encouragement, but they may already know the Savior, but you're going for that low-hanging fruit that you see in the hallway, and you just reach out, and you engage them, and you look for ways, and you bathe that time in the Spirit, in prayer, before you even go in that facility. And then, as I'm going through the nursing homes, I'm praying, Jesus, uh, as I as I go past the door, is this someplace you want me to go in? Is this is this someone you want me to engage? And sometimes he says no. He says, mm-hmm. you know, don't don't go in there. Uh, he'll lead me down another 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 row, another avenue, another hallway. It's it's totally driven by him, by his spirit, his power. I'm nothing, 
He is everything, and He does the work. So, but my encouragement to, list, to you listeners um, is you can do this. It, it's not hard. Uh, there's really very little investment other than time. And you, you might say, hey, time is my most precious commodity. But I'll say this to you. Jesus is so worth it. Jesus mm-hmm. is so, so worth it. You will not regret, you know, on your way home from work, uh, stopping by that nursing home. You already go past every single day and popping in there for 20 minutes just to, to slap a few puzzle pieces together and just to talk to uh, one of those very, very... Uh, needy folks that need you and more importantly need him they need the savior it's also so good and i appreciate so much john the emphasis on depending on him and walking with him and um just really praying and letting him guide um where we should go and what the conversations should be and how to start them up and pressing on those doors to see if they're doors of opportunity for the gospel and um, I might give you a couple of scenarios because I think just for real practical application for people and see how you would counsel them. Um, I think from this conversation I've gathered, you do kind of one-on-one uh, ministry there. Sounds like you've done some Bible studies where there's more than one or even a, a church or chapel kind of service. What if people go into a nursing home in their community and they're not open to having a, a chaplain? Um, have you run into situations where you're only allowed to go and converse with somebody that you're already connected to, or you already gave us a great model and kind of praying and continuing to ask the Lord for access where there was none, but what kind of obstacles might people run into and how would you give them counsel to, um, whether they, they don't necessarily have to have an official position or. Um, to keep praying and trying. Can you give people some counsel there that they might kind of give them guidance on things they might run into? Yeah. So, I mean, my position in these nursing homes that I visit, I visit, I visit five nursing homes regularly and one I visit just to do a church service. But again, when, when I um, got into these nursing homes way back when I made these phone calls and, you know, got into these particular nursing homes, I went in at a very low level. Like I'm not officially employed or I'm not officially a chaplain even per se to these nursing homes. I'm a volunteer and I purposefully do not wear any badge affiliated with my employer. You know, who, the, organi- the organization I work for is called In Faith and that's my mission, my sending organization. So basi- basically I'm a missionary to nursing home residents. So I go in and I try to maintain kind of a, I don't know, try to be incognito in in many senses. Like uh, there are some, I don't know if I can call them dangerous (laughs) moments where, you know, I I recognize different people may be a little adverse to what I'm doing. Some of the administrators, some of the staff people there probably would not care for to hear the name of Jesus proclaimed. So I'm sometimes careful about my wording about different people that I'll come in contact with. But uh, I have really found very uh, little resistance in, you know, chatting with the residents as far as if I am there to see a particular person, maybe, maybe the, maybe the activities director has called me or emailed me specifically to visit a resident. I have, I guess, over the years, maybe built a level of trust with them too, that I'm, um, you know, a safe person. Uh, They've seen 
the love of Christ that has come out. Um, you know, they've seen, you know, his tenderness and in, in just working in the conversations and the sensitivity to what's happening. Uh, typically, too, I, you want to be very, very careful not, in, not to get in the way of the staff people. So, for example, if, if a staff person comes in to do a procedure, whether it's a nurse, a doctor, a therapist, uh, try to exit the room as gracefully as possible and do not get in the way of the staff people and try to engage them too because they have lives, they're real people. I've prayed with them. I've, I've led a couple of them to Christ, uh, hmm. all praise to Christ, you know, over the years. But just, I guess, try to be as sensitive, sensitive, sensitive as possible because this is their home. And it doesn't really seem like that to us, but it really is because this is kind of all they're left with. All those, you know, pensions and boats and cars and houses are gone now. They really have nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, So as far as breaking in there, it's fairly simple to do. I mean, you you call up an activities director at, at any given nursing home in your area they are not reluctant in the least. They are thirsty. They are hungry for anybody like you that's going to darken the door of their nursing home that would give even a half an hour a week to visiting a, res- a resident. So I would say to your listeners, you're going you're gonna, you're gonna to encounter very, very little resistance, in my opinion, to you visiting uh, just because you're a warm body and, frankly, just because there's a need. They recognize that there is a spiritual need that these residents have. Now, they're not... Uh, many of them are not followers of Jesus. They're they're um, Buddhists. They're Mormons. A lot of them are Catholic. I've met witches, um, all types, shapes, and sizes, all theology backgrounds. Uh, they don't care about any of those things, the, the activities directors. Overall, they care that you're there as a body visiting their residence, and they have an obligation to kind of meet that need that's part of the requirement of the services that they offer at the nursing home. So mm-hmm. by way of encouragement... Um, you're not going to really encounter much resistance. And if you do, that's going to be the exception and not the rule. So it's, it's going to be easy for you to break into the nursing home. One thing, if you choose to become like a volunteer, like I am at these nursing homes, there's a little bit of paperwork involved with that, maybe a background check that's involved, maybe a tuberculosis test, uh, which basically is just a little needle under the skin where they put a little uh, dab of something under your skin, see if you have an allergic reaction or carrying tuberculosis. But very, very minimal. Um, so yeah, you can do this. It's not hard. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. simple. It's easy to break into. Yeah. It's all really helpful, brother. If anybody has any follow-up questions for you or could use counsel specific to their situation, do you have a way for people to get in touch with you? Yeah, I'd love to help it in any way I can. Yeah. So probably best is email. Uh, and that is John Hoover, J-O-H-N-H-O-O-V-E-R at in faith, I N F A I T H dot org, John Hoover in faith dot org. If you email me, uh, that's my work email. I check that regularly. I'd be happy to help speak with you, encourage you, pray with you. Um, you know, any, anything I can do all for Jesus glory. We want people to come to know Jesus Christ. And if I can help yeah, in any way, I'd be yeah. happy to help. So gracious of you, John. I appreciate that. Um, well, man, I want to give you the final kind of word of encouragement. If, maybe people listening in and um, they may resonate with you in in a different ministry, but you just, just your ministry is so encouraging to anyone who's seeking to faithfully serve Jesus 
uh, in small or unseen ways. Uh, sometimes we forget their significance. And so we need this reminder to see the preciousness of uh, anything done in Jesus's name. So what kind of parting word of encouragement would you give to people serving Jesus in small towns in New England? You know, I have um, one teenage daughter still at home, and actually I think she just got home right now here talking on the phone, but I've uh, I've overheard her talking with her friends, and I'll hear them say something like jokingly, you know, you do you. And let, let me interpret that for the over 30 folks out there. You know, basically, you do what and how Jesus has gifted you. And w- with what you find joy in, as you lean into the Holy Spirit, um, God is going to give you refreshment in whatever uh, that is. And, you know, nursing home, you know, not everybody listening to this podcast is going to jump into nursing home ministry. You know, we need... Uh, pastors, we need teachers, we need Sunday school teachers, we need women's leaders. So nursing home ministry may not be your thing, but something is. So if I can encourage you, beloved, just lean into Jesus and ask your best friend, who's Jesus? Ask your best friend what that is and then do it and enjoy it. And, you know, if you lament what you're doing now, your active service, you know, maybe you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Maybe it's, maybe you shouldn't be doing it. Maybe you should be looking to something else, but you know, you do you, and that's probably the best advice for my teenage daughter that I can give you. Just you do you and enjoy it, because I tell you what, I am <laughs> so enjoying this mission. I, I wake up and cannot wait to get to the nursing homes just to visit with these people, because that's just, that's just the way Jesus has called me to serve him. But that may not be your thing. So you do what Jesus is asking you to do. Do it well and be faithful and lean into his spirit lean into his spirit and let your life be the fertile soil and he'll bring the bloom of the flower for his glory amen john so so good and wonderfully encouraging thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your story and your ministry with us today brother hey you're welcome glad to be here ben thank you so much god bless you thank you brother could not admire John anymore. So humble and gracious and just a brother that it is evident he spent much time with Jesus and we can follow him as he follows Christ. If you would like to find out more information about Small Town Summits, whether our articles or our Bible trainings or upcoming summits that we have in 2024, you can check out our website www.smalltownsummits.com. And there you can also make a year-end donation and join us in the work of seeing Christ magnified in the small places of New England as we come alongside the local church and encourage those who are faithfully serving Jesus in small places. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you.